Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast. My name is Andrea Samadhi. I'm a former educator who created this podcast to bring the most current neuroscience research along with high-performing experts who've risen to the top of their field with specific strategies or ideas that you can implement immediately, whether you're a teacher in the classroom, a parent trying to figure out homeschooling and working from home, or someone in the corporate world to take your results to the next level. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the most powerful and important concepts from Bob Proctor's seminars. If you've not yet heard episode 66, be sure to check out this episode first to get some context behind how I met Bob Proctor and how he influenced the work we're doing here today. I do suggest going to the show notes and writing down some of the ideas you learn from this episode since there are some extremely powerful ideas that can really make an impact on your life. These concepts were learned from six years of working directly with Bob's seminars, taking his courses over and over again, and then repeating them periodically over the past 24 years. These ideas changed the trajectory of my life and I wanna share them with you so that you can have access to them and see if their application can impact your world as much as it did for mine. I first met Bob when I was a teacher in Toronto because his director of sales, Mark Lowe, lived next door to me at the time. And when I asked him what he did for a living, my whole world changed when he handed me Bob's You Were Born Rich book. Be sure to look in the show notes for the links as Bob gives this book away for free on his website under his tips and tools section. Go there, download his book, and this lesson will make more sense once you've had a chance to look at the book first. Before I go into a deep dive of this book, which was also the first seminar I attended live in May of 1998, I want to give a backstory that you could relate to if you've ever invested hours of your time creating something. Here's how I remember this story. And remember from episode 44, 12 mind-boggling facts about the brain, that memories are not 100% accurate. So I'm telling you a story that I remember hearing many years ago, and some of the details might be inaccurate with the way that I'm remembering the events, but you'll get the main idea of the story. So when Bob was first writing this book, my copy of the book shows a copyright date of 1997, which was just a year before my first seminar with him. And it was years before everyone carried around their own personal laptop. When I think back to writing reports or essays in school at this time, I used a typewriter. So I think that's how Bob wrote his first book. The manuscript was a physical copy that he had typed and he would carry it around with him to add more ideas to it before sending it off to the publisher. On his way to the publisher, he took a taxi, again, years before we went everywhere via Uber, and he left the only copy of the book in the taxi. This story made me think about all those times I had written something, and then the computer crashed and the document wasn't saved, or the times I just lost something another way, and the only solution was to recreate what was lost. And that's exactly what Bob did with this book. When you're reading it, think of the years of work that went into the stories in each chapter, and all these are true stories. I knew many of the people that he wrote about. And then imagine one day these ideas were completely lost and he had to recreate them again for the world to gain access to them. It will give you an entirely new perspective when you're reading this book. 
Bob mentions in episode 66 that he always believed he would reach the goals that he set and believed in the material and the goals are set not to get, but to grow. It's who we become that's important in this process, not the things that we accumulate along the way, but the knowledge that we acquire and how we use it to help others. When Bob first met me, he asked me, Andrea, what do you really want? And it took me back a bit because nobody had ever asked me this before. I had to really think about it. I remember not being sure, but in the Born Rich workbook, when I took the seminar, we had a chance to revisit this and write out our heart's desire. I still have the workbook from 1998, and what I wrote back then isn't far off from what I'm doing today. So think about it. What do you really want? Have you written it out on a goal card like Bob still does and like I've been doing ever since? Once you know what you really want, then you want to look at your beliefs and see if they integrate with your behavior. Then you'll know what changes you need to make. Let's take a deep dive into Bob Proctor's You Were Born Rich book. Big idea number one, paradigms. Something is holding you back. When you become aware of it, you can move forward. Paradigms, what are they? Paradigms could be controlling virtually every move you make. To ignore the power of paradigms to influence your judgment is to put yourself at significant risk when exploring the future. To be able to shape your future, you have to be ready and able to change your paradigm. Joel Barker, a technology and business futurist, he published the book on paradigms in 1993 and he quoted that. What's interesting is that Bob Proctor is known for helping people to increase their life in the area of wealth, but that's not what drew me to him. Even though his book was called You Were Born Rich and his seminars focused on helping attendees to build wealth, I was drawn to his work not just for the idea that I could make more money, but that I could increase the potential that I knew I had locked up inside myself. This is where I started to see my own paradigms showing up. Let's look at paradigms. We used to sell the You Are Born Rich book for about $20 a copy, and I remember having a box full of books at one of my first events, and within minutes they sold out, and I was left with a few hundred dollars in one hand and an empty box in the other. This was the first time I thought, I really need to write a book. My awareness shifted as I identified a paradigm that I was ready to change. I was only used to earning money by trading my time. You know, you go to work from eight to five kind of thinking and you earn a paycheck this way. This was the way I was raised, but I was seeing now that there were other ways. With this book, I learned that we could create a product or a service and if people want it, they would gratefully pay for it, giving anyone the opportunity to earn multiple sources of income. You could still work eight to five, but could also earn money from all over the world when you sell your programs and services online. I had only just started to interact with this book, hadn't even taken the seminar yet, and my beliefs about earning money were beginning to change rapidly without expecting it. Once you change your belief, it opens up a whole new world. I began to see that we could earn money many different ways than how I was raised to believe. When I started to sell for Bob, we could earn a certain amount of commission for each sale. Suddenly, we could sell a seminar seat and earn a few thousand dollars in a few minutes. This really changed my money paradigm quickly. The more you become aware, the more your mind opens up to new opportunities. Think about it like you're looking through a keyhole. 
and with more awareness, the keyhole opens up until eventually the door is wide open. Years later, when I worked in the corporate world and I had the chance to earn commission each year, it was not uncommon for the most successful sales reps to earn you know, around 50,000 to 300,000 in commission on top of their yearly salary. But if your mind can't grasp this, then you probably won't be one of those people reaching this level. Over the years, I met many people working in the seminars, all doing different types of work. Some were truck drivers, some were business executives, some were educators like me. All of them had grasped the idea that we could earn income from multiple sources. This was a huge paradigm shift for me. So how do we change our beliefs or paradigms? Bob's running a seminar this month on this very topic. It's called the Paradigm Shift Seminar. I suggest going to the link of the show notes and watch the video at the top of the page. We first of all need to know what these paradigms are before we can change them. I know it wasn't until after a few years of working with Bob and he was always talking about these paradigms that we needed to change that I finally asked, what exactly is a paradigm? I had no idea what mine were. It's easy to connect the dots looking back and see what they were now. I've had all these notes from all these seminars and I could quote them all word for word, but I still didn't have the understanding of how the pieces all fit together. Do you know what your paradigms are? This takes time as we learn to integrate the information into our behavior and daily practice. Here are some steps that I found useful for changing our paradigms. A. Start by identifying what paradigms are first, then figure out what ones we want to change. We must understand what paradigms are controlling our behavior in order to make these changes. This starts with self-awareness, and we dove deep into this with episode two. Keep in mind that these habits have been passed down from your parents and past generations. The ideas, thoughts, and beliefs of those who surrounded you when you were growing up in addition to your environment. So it's not your fault that we have these paradigms in the first place. They aren't bad. It's just how we were raised and they might be preventing us from reaching our highest levels of potential. I'm pretty sure that I heard my dad say money doesn't grow on trees a few hundred times when I was growing up. So this was ingrained into my way of thinking until I learned how to change it. B, begin to study yourself and learn at the very core. Who are you? Are you really doing the things you want to do? How do you approach change and challenge? How do you see yourself in the world? Start here to identify who you are and you'll begin to see patterns that come up that keep you stuck where you are preventing growth. You'll discover what paradigms are controlling your actions and in turn controlling your behavior and results. You can begin to identify your patterns, beliefs, and behaviors, the things you need to change to reach these new levels of achievement. So just to think about paradigms, a paradigm is a mental program that has almost exclusive control over our habitual behavior, and almost all behavior is habitual. Paradigms are a multitude of habits, and they're passed down from generation to generation. Paradigms are the way you view yourself the world, and opportunity. Paradigms are how you approach change and challenges. C. Once you've identified a couple of your paradigms, the work begins. 
Pick one habit or belief that you want to change and take new actions while integrating your behavior and your beliefs with a new idea. You will change the paradigm when your beliefs and behavior line up by repeatedly taking new actions towards the new idea. The same way the paradigm was formed, that repetition of action from those who raised you or were surrounded you in your early years. You can do this with affirmations by repeating the new belief over and over again until one day it changes, but you'll need to repeat this over and over again, I'm saying at least a thousand times for 90 days until you actually believe it. An example of a paradigm that might be holding you back from opportunity could be something like, no one at my age has ever done this or that. I'm sure they have, so this is a limiting belief. So find someone who's done what you want to do and ask them to mentor you. Or another example, every time we've tried to reach this goal, we failed. So I'm sure we're going to fail again this year. If you think you'll fail, I'm sure you will also, unless you try something new, a new angle. Another paradigm that might be passed down from generation to generation could be no one in our family has ever done X, Y, or Z, like written a book or graduated from college. I'm sure you're getting the point to all of this. We all have paradigms that hold us back, and until we change them, we'll never reach the levels of achievement that we're capable of. D, watch your whole world change when you identify and change your paradigms. Think of how mine changed when I saw that I could earn commission from sales or by writing a book and sell it to earn money all over the world. It opens up your thinking to a whole new level. If you're thinking, there's no way I could do any of these things. I work a job from eight to five and I have no idea how I would fit this in. Well, that's a paradigm. I wrote my first book by waking up at 5 a.m. when I worked a corporate job. I would write five days a week, two hours each morning before work, which added up to 10 hours a week, which was 40 hours a month. You really can accomplish anything you want if you have the will and the desire to do it. I'd love to hear from anyone who has identified and changed a paradigm that was holding them back. What was it and how did you change it? Big idea number two, prosperity thinking. The more we give, the more we stretch our minds to receive and keep giving more. This book starts off with a chapter that outlines our ways of thinking. We either think in lack and limitation and that there's not enough, or we can have abundant thinking. We even know from Mark Robert Waldman's research from his recent book, Neurowisdom, The New Brain Science of Money, Happiness, and Success, that money does predict your happiness and that those who make more money are happier, and those who are happier live longer. So having a prosperity consciousness is vitally important for your future success, as well as your health and longevity. Prosperity thinking in action, how to think into abundance. But how can this way of thinking be possible if we've just lost our job and we're not sure where things are going to end up? This is a timely question with unemployment being high at this time all over the world. How can we create a prosperity consciousness when our bank accounts don't have a paycheck being deposited every few weeks or we can't see what's going to happen next? If you're thinking this right now, I highly suggest reading this book and learning all you can on this topic. Changing your thinking from poverty consciousness, I don't have enough, to prosperity consciousness, I have more than enough and I want to share it with others, 
was probably the most important lesson I learned after September 11th turned the U.S. upside down. Mindset and taking action is important in these transitional and uncertain times. I recently listened to Mark Cuban on LinkedIn being interviewed with tips for large or small businesses on how to navigate times like we're experiencing now. And his ideas all have to do with staying positive, being creative, and pivoting your business, which many of us had to do after September 11th. Before we can create new ideas, we must first of all have our basic needs like food and shelter covered. When times change and we need to find work, he suggests searching within an industry that's doing well. Do some research and then see what areas match the skills that you have so that you can pivot to something new and you'll find some success with your current skill set. Once you find something new, keep working and don't give up on any ideas that you might have had before this whole pandemic hit. Write them down, keep working, and when times shift like they always do, you can begin to put your focus on what you want to create. Big idea number three, the law of vibration and attraction. You attract what you are. The movie The Secret talked about this law, and the book The Science of Getting Rich outlines this law, along with others, but my first introduction to these levels of vibration that Bob talks about often was in chapter six of the Born Rich book. Bob mentions this law in our interview and also the quote from Andrew Carnegie at the top of chapter six that says, any idea that is held in the mind that is either feared or revered will begin at once to clothe itself in the most convenient and appropriate physical forms available. This means that we draw to us what we think about. A person thinking positive thoughts will emanate positive energy and draw other positive personalities and situations to them. And a person with negative thoughts will, of course, be in a negative vibration or give off bad vibes that will repel positive personalities, drawing negativity towards them. What type of person do you want to be? That's kind of obvious. So how does this work? There's lots of different places to gain this understanding, ranging from a powerful book that I keep on my bookshelf, David Hawkins' Power Versus Force, where he talks about low energy frequency people versus high energy and the ranges of emotions that either drain us or fuel us. Our thoughts have a certain frequency, and the things that we draw to ourselves have the same frequencies as the thoughts we've created. Let's say the things that are on the same wavelengths that we are. We cannot be thinking negative thoughts and be in line with positive thoughts at the same time. Since like attracts like, you'll notice that when you're tuned into positive thinking, you'll attract more positive things to yourself. In the interview with Bob, I asked him, why do we meet certain people at certain times in our careers who accelerate us? He answered, you attract them and they attract you. He drew Sandy Gallagher to his company when he had a need for someone who understood finances. And here was Sandy sitting at a seminar writing out that she really wanted to work with Bob, but it took her a bit of time until they were both in harmony with this idea. Once they were, the partnership was a success. Negative thinking goes the same way. If you start off on the wrong side of the bed in the morning and you don't change your thinking, you'll just keep attracting more and more negative things to your day as it progresses. It can snowball either way for you, so why not let it snowball in a positive direction? Our goal is to raise our vibration level and be positive, high vibrating people if we want to achieve our highest level of results. 
Here's some tips for raising your level of vibration or your frequency. A. Positive thinking will help you increase your thought waves to that higher level of vibration. Just think of how great it feels when you're doing something you enjoy, like listening to your favorite song or enjoying the beauty of the landscape and nature around you. Practice recognizing how good you feel when you're doing something that makes you happy. When you're feeling good, you're on the right track to raising your vibration. And when you're feeling bad, you're not on the right track. Do whatever it takes to stay in that good feeling and your vibration will continue to rise. B. Limit your activities with people, places, or situations that are on a lower level frequency. If you're operating on a higher level, you won't be able to do this for long anyway because it will drain your energy. Be mindful of who you're spending time with so that you can keep your level of vibration up. C. Spend more time with like-minded people who are positive like you. This will allow for you to keep increasing your level of vibration. Join a club or a group where you can meet people with interests that are similar to yours and keep improving yourself. D. Be polite and mindful of others at all times. Over time and with practice, this will become a habit. If you're always thinking of ways to help others, it will be inevitable that your level of vibration will rise. And E, find ways that you can quiet your mind and just spend time in this quiet time to rejuvenate. Some people use meditation and others find great benefits from yoga. Find what works best for you to relax and then practice quieting your mind. Be open to what might happen here as powerful thoughts can occur when you quiet your mind. Once you begin to increase your vibration, you'll notice that your life will become much easier and more peaceful. Big idea number four, learn to live beyond the five senses with the six higher faculties of the mind. We've all been raised to live through our five senses, what we see, touch, taste, hear, and smell, but our five senses can be limiting. We can access new information, deeper flashes of insight, higher levels of creativity if we learn to live with our six intellectual faculties that operate beyond our five senses for a competitive advantage. These intellectual faculties tap into the non-physical or spiritual world and help us to build new ideas, that quantum world. So how does this work? Let's see how we can learn to use the faculties of our mind to gain a deeper understanding, perspective, and ideas. Faculty one is perception. Perception is your point of view. This factor can be altered at will, which means that you can always see two sides of a situation, but it takes the will and some effort to switch your way of thinking to see another side of something. Sometimes when I'm hiking, I can look at the trail when I'm going up and then look at the exact same spot going down and it looks completely different. What you see with your eyes can be viewed entirely different from someone else's point of view standing at a different viewpoint. So to put this into action, how can you use this concept to gain new ideas or perspective? If you're having a problem or a disagreement with someone, try to look at the issue through their eyes to see a different point of view, not just your own. You'll notice with practice, this skill becomes easier and it will open up your mind and you'll become more flexible, improving your relationships with others. Faculty two is reasoning. This is the ability to think. Having this faculty makes us different from other members of the animal kingdom who don't have the ability to reason or think. 
In the book, The Strangest Secret, Nobel Prize winner Dr. Albert Schweitzer was being interviewed and he was asked, what's wrong with men today? The great doctor answered, men simply don't think. Wallace D. Waddles in his book, The Science of Getting Rich, agreed with this back in 1910 when he said, there is no labor from which people shrink as they do from that of sustained and consecutive thought. It's the hardest work in the world. So let's put this into action. Use your will to stay focused when you need to think and create new ideas. Critical thinking and reasoning is an important skill that we should all be teaching to our children at an early age so that they can learn to think for themselves rather than follow the crowd. Be sure that you're always challenging young children to think for themselves by letting them make decisions. Ask them questions and see what answers they come up with. I have a 10-year-old who often thinks of new ideas or angles that I might have missed, so I'm grateful to have more thinking minds in our home. Faculty three is the will. This is the understanding that each idea has a certain pattern and with focused attention, we have the ability to concentrate on what we're thinking about and increase the amplitude, which is the height of the thought wave that makes them very powerful. Let's put this into action. Use the will to lock into an idea and block out all other distractions. Using the will will allow you to focus your mind on the things that you want and lose focus on the things that you don't want. Faculty four is the memory. This is something that you can develop with practice. There is no such thing as a bad memory. However, just like your muscles in your body, if your memory is not used, it can become weak. When you don't exercise the muscles in your body, they lose strength. This is exactly what happens when you're not practicing your memory. So let's put this into action. Treat your mind with as much care and consideration as you would your body as they were very much connected. The more practice you give this faculty, the stronger it will become. We've heard of some research-based strategies that are known to improve your memory, such as avoiding cramming and study what you want to remember using space repetition, relate new information to things you already know, and be sure you're sleeping well as sleeping consolidates memories and adding visual images to what you want to remember. Faculty five is the imagination. And the imagination is everything according to Earl Nightingale. All great inventions are created in two separate places. First, the mind of the inventor and the physical world when the inventor creates it. Our lives reflect how well we use our imagination because when we hit one plateau of success, it will be our imagination that will take us to what's next. So put this into action, write out where you see yourself in the next three, five, and 10 years. If you can do this in detail, it will activate cells of recognition in your brain that when you imagine what you write, eventually your brain will accept and recognize what you're telling it, and it will go from feeling like a crazy pipe dream to eventually something that you can see yourself actually doing since you've thought about it so often. One day you take what you have imagined and create it into your reality. Six faculty is your intuition. This is a mental tool that gives us answers by picking up the energy or feeling from another person or situation. We can even read a person's energy over the telephone or the internet as I experienced in episode 65 with Dr. Barbara Schwark. Sometimes we just know the answer or we have a gut feeling. This is our intuition at work and we've got to learn how to develop it. 
With practice, we can learn to trust our intuition and become confident with what we feel or know. Then we can move confidently towards the things that we want in our life. Put this into action. The best book I've ever read on developing intuition is called Developing Intuition from Shatki Gawain. This was probably one of the most valuable skills I learned to help guide me in my personal and professional life. I never needed to ask anyone else for advice as I had my own built-in guidance system that helped me to stay in a productive state of mind. Big idea number five, spirit is everywhere. We are all connected like a rainbow. This next idea, I'm going to put an image of what I'm describing in the show notes to make it easier to see. When I asked Bob about the question about the quantum world that Dr. Dan Siegel talks about, where there's this plane of possibility where we can create anything, Bob answered, I believe the physical realm that we live in and the spiritual world are all connected like the colors of the rainbow. When we take an idea, it comes in from that spirit world, it hits our intellectual mind, and then it's up to us whether we take it and move it into physical form in the physical realm. Have you ever had an idea that you thought was brilliant and you just never did anything with it and suddenly you see someone else has created it? That's because, like he talked about, there's only one mind and we can all tap into all the ideas that are ever created. It's just up to us to bring the ideas that we tap into into reality. So what you can see in the physical world and what you cannot see in the non-physical or spiritual world are all connected. The physical is a manifestation of the non-physical. Another way to look at this is to think about water in the physical world. We can see it. We add heat to water and it turns to steam. So this is just another level of vibration. If you think about the lines of vibration, it's just changing states. And then when we add heat to that, it turns to air on the spiritual level. So just because we've changed the state of water from its physical form, where we can see it, to the non-physical when we can't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It exists, and when it cools down, it goes right back to water. So since spirit is for fuller expression and expansion, ideas, like I want to write a book, come in through the spiritual level, and they're looking to be expressed from a higher to a lower potential. Think about when you ask for help from God through a prayer or you're in the physical realm and you're reaching the spiritual realm with your thoughts for ideas. Ideas come into your mind, your intellect from the spiritual realm, and it's up to you to see if you're going to bring them into physical form. And this is called the creative process. So put this into practice. Do you pray? Do you meditate? Do you believe in a higher power or something bigger than yourself? If you do, you'll find this process fascinating because if you learn how to use faith through understanding, you'll gain new insights, ideas through this practice that will keep you busy. Write out what comes to your mind when you see these ideas and see if they match what you want to be, do, have, or create. When you get an idea that's congruent to what you want, then it's up to you to take action on this idea. Big idea number six is Thomas Troward's fuller expression, increasing life, and always aim for bigger and better things. There really are no limits to the heights that we can all reach, and a reminder that it's not what you've got that's important, it's who we become in the process of reaching our goals. Nothing is impossible to the mind. All its guidance and power are available to you. When you have fully realized that thought causes all, you'll know that there's no limits that you yourself do not impose. 
U.S. Anderson, author of The Magic in Your Mind. Right now, if you were to ask Bob Proctor what he's studying, he'd say he's reading Trower's The Doré and Edinburgh Lectures on Mental Science. And I've had this book and a couple of others from Thomas Troward in my Kindle iPhone library for the past six years, and I haven't read them. I just looked through them and saw a section on intuition, healing, the will, the body, soul, and spirit, everything we've talked about in these six big ideas, except for we haven't covered healing. I can see why he would be reading this book, sharpening his higher faculties, deepening his connection with spirit, and doing all he can do to deliver his message to as many people as he can. Bob always read a section of Troward's Dory Lectures on Mental Science in the Science of Getting Rich seminar. One day when he was running a seminar, I asked him if I could read a passage from the stage because I was just dying to practice my public speaking skills, and I had memorized the quote. So I read this by memory, and if there's any passage of information I recommend anyone memorizing, it's this one. My mind is a center of divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression. And this means the production of something beyond what has gone before, something entirely new, not included in past experience, though proceeding out of it, by an orderly sequence of growth. Therefore, since the divine cannot change its inherent nature, it must operate in the same manner in me. Consequently, in my special world of which I am the center, it will move forward to produce new conditions, always in advance of any that have gone before. So what does this mean? It means that my mind and your mind is a center. There's more than one center but we're all connected and there are no limits. If I was to stop there, I think that's enough to motivate any of us to reach higher than we might've reached in the past. We are limitless. The divine operation is always expanding. There's as much power above it as below it. And this means the production of something that has gone before, something entirely new, not included in past experience, though proceeding out of it in an orderly sequence of growth. This means that what you're capable of will not be a repeat performance of something you've done before. Although your past experience prepares you, it will move you beyond where you've ever been to grow and expand in an orderly way. Therefore, since the divine cannot change its inherent nature, it must operate in the same manner in me. So trust in the way your life unfolds. It's all going the way it's supposed to go. Consequently, in my special world of which I am the center, it will move forward to produce new conditions, always in advance of any that have gone before. Meaning that when we keep working diligently towards our goals in life, we'll keep producing new results that go beyond where you ever were before. We're always expanding and growing when we are taking action. So keep aiming for bigger and better things and never stop learning and growing. So let's review these six big ideas. Big idea number one was paradigms. Something is holding you back. When you become aware of it, you can move forward. Take some time to figure out what paradigms are holding you back and start to work on changing just one paradigm at a time. This will require some work as the paradigm is ingrained in your non-conscious mind. But with time, one day you'll look back and notice the growth that occurred because you took the time to put in the effort to make the change. 
Big idea number two, prosperity thinking. The more we give, the more we stretch our minds to receive and keep giving more. Where is your thinking right now? I know that these are difficult times, but if you notice your mind leaning towards lack and limitation instead of abundant thinking, it's time to take immediate action. Go somewhere where you feel energized and begin to work on changing your thinking. Volunteering or helping others can also shift your mindset here as you begin to see that your situation is much better than many of the other people in the world and this can help shift your mindset. Big idea number three, the law of vibration and attraction. You attract what you are. If you have trouble achieving your goals, this is the first place I would look. Do you know yourself well enough to know whether you're operating at a high or low frequency? When you're feeling good and life is flowing, you're definitely on the right track. If things are difficult and you feel unhappy, something needs to change and the change starts with changing your energy or frequency by thinking new thoughts that will stimulate new feelings and motivate you to take new actions that will in turn change your conditions, circumstances, and environment. The change begins with you. Big idea number four. Learn to live beyond the five senses with the six higher faculties of the mind. You don't need to master all six of these at once, but if you just picked one to work on and sharpen for the next year, you'll notice the results in your life will change dramatically. Pick one factor and dive deep into studying it in your spare time. Writing this episode has been a powerful review for me as well. I'm always working on improving my intuition because I just think it's fun to see how you can guess something ahead of time, but I also see the importance of working on some of the other faculties like the imagination, which is a key ingredient for creating something new. This is where inventors of the past went to figure out how to make the airplane take flight, where the iPhone was created, and where the inventions of the future will come from. Also, just a reminder to not let what we see with our senses, which are limiting, going on in the world, limit or control us. We can't change it, but we can keep studying, learning, and growing so that we change and improve ourselves when times are difficult. Big idea number five, spirit is everywhere. We are all connected like a rainbow. This idea has come up with Dr. Dan Siegel's work where he talks about the fact that quantum physics proves that there are two realms, one where we operate, our senses are operating there, and the other plane of possibility that is timeless. We could spend a considerable amount of time thinking about this idea, but I'm going to trust that my understanding will continue to grow here as I continue daily meditation, prayer, and gratitude practice. The faith that comes from this practice is based on understanding, and when new ideas come, I know it's important to act on these ideas and do the work with the talents and skills that God's given me. Each of us will have our own meaning with this idea based on our individual beliefs. Whatever you believe, find the practice that works for you to feel this connection. Big idea number six is Thomas Troward's Life is for Fuller Expression, Increasing Life, Always aim for bigger and better things. Keep studying, learning, growing, and reach for more in your life. You won't be able to do this alone, so be sure that you find mentors to help you reach your new levels of achievement. Just keep learning, increasing your awareness, and growing. And answer this question, what do you really want? There is great opportunity for the person who understands themselves. I hope you have found these lessons as powerful as I have. 
Remember, these are just a few of the most powerful concepts I learned from working six years directly with Bob Proctor, attending his seminars live, and then continuing to study and apply these ideas. These concepts do take time before the results become apparent, but if you really want something, you'll do the work and one day you'll look back and you'll realize you've achieved the goals that you've always wanted, so then you can help others do the same. If you found this episode helpful, please share it on social media and tag me. I'd love to hear your takeaways of what you like or what you learned. Until the next episode, have a great week. See you next time. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.